Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. People can change anything they want to. And that means everything in the world. Show me any country and there'll be people in it. It's time to take the humanity back into the center of the ring follow that for a time you know think on that without people you're nothing without people you're nothing stoke the fire how do i look it's dark over here it's winter time so it gets you know super dark super early you look well yeah yeah the lighting's all right it's not too bright no it's good it's good it's either super bright or fuzzy and, and, and lo-fi. So, um, yeah, well, I'm glad that it's good. And this is the first time we've seen each other, even though it's only over a screen. This is still the yeah. first time we've seen laid eyes on each other in at least a month, if not more. Yeah, probably more, honestly. Well, you look yeah. handsome as ever. <laughs> Likewise, brother. Cheers. Let's raise a toast with the Stoke the Fire mugs. It's good to be back in the yes. swing. Um, we're going to be doing lots more of these in the coming days, so we'll be seeing lots more of each other, which is very exciting. Um, thank you to everybody for your continued support. It's been a little bit quiet on the social media and the Patreon pages as of late, uh, but that is set to change. Now we're both back home for an extended period of time. I, I think you're going to be around for a while as well, right, apart from the odd little jaunt here yeah. or there. Yeah, I'm writing a record, so I gotta be in the studio here and uh, get a lot of work done, and just be present to my house, which is good. I, it's been a while. I feel like I haven't really been able to just sit and live my life home, so I'm I'm looking forward to that. Well, I'm looking forward to doing lots more of these chats as well. And and yeah, as I said, it's been a little bit thin on the ground, the old Patreon content and social media interaction. But we will be uh, bucking up our bootstraps and getting back to to life as we know it now we're both home uh, we've both been away and traveling and touring and having lots of fun um, i'm sure we'll get more into that in the next one-on-one podcast that we do we'll have a full circle back check-in catch up then uh, but we've got a great guest for today somebody you've known how many years are we going back now with you and adam oh i met him oh man i would have been like 2005 2006 is when we met um, right on and i've just kind of followed him here and there from that point which we'll get into uh, up until now which i definitely have more of a um a real serious interest in what he's a part of now so we'll we'll get into that but it's um i've been looking forward to this for a while it's someone i've wanted to have on since the inception of this podcast um and at the, the timing just felt right so very honored to have this guy on well adam jackson without further ado I'm going to be meeting him for the first time now which is very exciting why don't you turn your camera and microphone on join us around the digital metaphorical campfire um great to see you man what a fine head of hair you have <laughs> yeah i'm just making sure i got all my little dread bits uh pushed in here <laughs> looking good bro <laughs> yeah man good to see you jesse welcome my really friend thanks thanks for coming on man i'm looking forward to this um i've been following you 
for a while on social media. Um, but as we like to do with with these uh, podcasts, just uh, start at the beginning. So I'll just bring up what I said earlier. I remember meeting you. I was on tour with Seamless. And the moment I met you, what struck me about you was you made eye contact. You were very kind. You had a really good aura about you. And it just really left uh, a good taste in my mouth as far as meeting somebody like you where it was immediate like, this guy's cool. I knew it immediately. <laughs> and that's something that struck me about you all those years ago. And it just, to me, makes total sense to who you are now and what you're doing now. Mm. And it, I, I commend you for what you're doing. But we'll get into that soon. So yeah, um, man. To- it's, an, it's an honor to be here. It's an honor to see you and to drop in with you after all of these years as well. And just from me to you as a, as a hardcore kid, as a punk rock kid, I fucking love all that you've created musically, lyrically. Uh, Jesse, you've always been a, you've always been a massive influence on me uh, lyrically. Thank you. You know, you you know what I'm saying? Just like from behind the scenes and in my time playing in 12 tribes, uh, there was something about the way that you wrote your lyrics that gave me permission to write in a particular way. So wow, I'm honored by that. I loved what you how you just worded that too. I love that. It gave you permission. Mm. I love that. It's yeah, beautiful. man. In the search for I and I, truth is always deep inside. You yes. know what I'm saying? Yes. I love it. Thank you. You honor me with that, man. That's awesome. So let's let's talk about 12 tribes. So yeah. Let's rewind. Um because you mentioned hardcore and punk, something Matt and I talk a lot about being punk rockers and loving the music. Where did that all start from you? Let's 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 start there. When did punk rock grab you as a kid growing up in Ohio? Correct, Ohio was where yeah. you kind of grew up. Where did Dayton, that sort Ohio. of where did that sort of like start with you? How did it get its hooks in you? Yeah, man, it was truly from my older brother. I have a five year older brother, Jesse Jackson, and he took me to my first show. It was a local band called Four Child, and when I got there, you know, I was, I was 13. It was a bar. I was like the youngest kid there. And I saw people moshing. I saw this guy get on stage and start screaming. And I was like, I want to do that. There was something inherently in me that was like, I want that mic and I got something to say. And I want, I want to be on stage screaming and headbanging. And uh, that was like my, my pure introduction. And Dayton, Ohio is, is famous for the straight edge scene. So I was, a, I was a part of that straight edge scene back in the day, Courage Crew, all of those things, um, which honestly, Dayton was kind of this epicenter for a large part of the straight edge mu- movement, if you recall. Um, and, you know, I just, I grew up skateboarding, going to shows, Hate Breed would come through town, uh, Pennywise, 108, you know, like all, all the bands. But I just grew up uh, continuing to go to shows. I started my first band called Setback when I was 15. And it was terrible. It was terrible straight edge hardcore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Terrible lyrics. And uh, were you but, always drawn to be a lyricist and a singer? Was that always where you yeah. felt your calling on stage was? Yeah, man. Even since I was a kid, I'm a, like I'm a front man through and through. Even with what I'm doing now and with Sacred Sons and podcasting and some of these other things, like I, I'm definitely one who who leads with my voice. I feel. And uh, yeah, man, just growing up in that scene really set the roots of brotherhood like and you may know from touring in a band like there's something so magical about having brothers to sing along with to skate with to tour with you're like when when 12 tribes was on tour it's a mission you know pile up in the van load up the merch the gear mission to the next city unpack play the show 
rock it. Like everybody on stage for that one moment, for that hour or so, like in unity, there's something very special about that that really uh, seeded this this essence of brotherhood within me, uh, which is which is a core of the work that I'm doing now. Yeah, that makes total sense to me. Um, I can see that completely uh, being in a band and being part of a scene, you know, because that was a thing. You know, you, you didn't just go to shows and be in bands. You made friends, like sometimes friends for life, you know. And when yes. you get into the culture of punk and hardcore, there's, um, especially back in those days, there was an unspoken language. There was a bond there that I can meet somebody around my age. And if they have any inkling of that culture, there's an immediate connection and immediate brotherhood or sisterhood or whatever the case may be because yes. um and using the the word that you use in your new group it was sacred it was something that was ours we it, it wasn't just handed to you you kind of had to work for it. you had to show up right you had to be there you had to go right. to the shows to be a part of that scene and that's you something. had to participate you yes. had to participate in it there that's, it is. and that's that was what was so inviting and there was a sense of belonging in that movement in the hardcore and punk rock scene that I see emerging now with bands like Turnstile, you know, and with Killswitch Forever, right? But like what what a lot of people don't realize from the outside looking in, all of this cathartic release, all of this emotion, all of this this uh this angst, it's actually the the core of it all is love. And mm -hmm. and looking back, that's what I felt in those scenes was love. Well it's looking for acceptance, isn't it? And trying to find a home um and i guess a lot yeah. of people who were attracted not everybody but a lot of people who were attracted to that kind of music growing up are often from you know difficult home situations broken homes perhaps they yeah. don't have a positive father figure or or mother figure or you know an older sibling that looks out for them so they go to these shows and these communal spaces and they find that there yeah you know it's interesting because I don't I, I don't have the story of severe trauma uh, that a lot of folks do. And because of that, I almost feel uh, like it's it's a requirement for me to give back uh, to some of those who do. And not to say that I don't have my own story, my own journey. Um, but the that scene, it really does. It, pro it provides a sense of belonging. And it, maybe you're just the black sheep of your family. It doesn't have to be all that. You know, maybe it's just you're the the kind of outcast kid at school, like drawn in the notebook. That, that was me, like drawing graffiti in my notebook, listening to music that no one could understand why I was listening to it. You know, hardcore metal is an acquired taste. And um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's a really special scene that I hold in my heart to this day. Mm. Yeah. And I think I, I love what you said. You don't have to come from a place of trauma necessarily because, you know, on paper, I came from a, a really nice family. Like I still get on with my folks. We have a good relationship. But, you know, everybody does have something that yes. drew them drew them to that. That maybe there was a dysfunction there. Maybe there was some control issues. I think with me, you know, organized religion really shaped and propelled me into that scene because I found people who were like me, where I couldn't relate to all the things I was raised with. I didn't always agree with everything I was taught. And when I met that band of misfits, those people who were from broken homes or had similar upbringings, uh, upbringings as me, there was a kinship there that I couldn't find in most people. And it was right. a very niche, a very niche thing. But, you know, that made me the man that I am today. A lot of what I learned back then as a as a teenager, as a kid, stayed with me. And and the ideals and the sort of way you think about things, the way that you participate in things, um, the way you have ownership over them, 
all that stuff still is a huge part of who I am. And I owe hardcore and punk everything because of that. Yeah. I, I also grew up, uh, you know, going to Catholic school with organized religion and it was, uh, you know, I learned a lot. I learned what I liked and I didn't, I learned what I didn't like about it. And from an early age, I was, I had this, this sense like, man, this feels like bullshit, mm. <laughs> you know, a lot of, for a lot of it, especially when it's indoctrinated through school. Um, and I had, like I said, my older brother to kind of confide in and talk to him about it. But, but even that, like I would listen to bands, bands like Bloodlet and, you know, Scott Angelakis, he would write these lyrics that to me would connect me to those aspects that I didn't yes. like about organized religion. Yeah. You know, and, and then he even has a line in a track, I believe it's called brainchild where he's like, um, he's like, uh, 12,000 were sealed, 144,000 tombs. It's like, it's a, it's about the 12 tribes, basically. Yeah. Which is the source of the name of my band, just, 12 tribes. Just got, just got chills from that. I know the exact line, and I you love I, I love Bloodlet. And yeah, I think that's important to say, you know, uh, people who were raised in a religious home or educated in a religious school, um, for me, it was rife with contradiction. And that's yeah. where I, I craved more than what I was being told. And it was almost like, it was a real taboo to even question that, you know, because you, when you're raised a certain way and my father was a minister, so it was oh, extra, wow. extra where if I had discussions or if I had questions, it always led back to sort of the same cyclical answer of like, it's God's word and God's word is law. And I needed more than that. I still need more than that. I'm still searching. I'm still open. Um, and that really pushed me not only with the music, but I think this is a good transition into what you're doing now, but just with owning my own, owning my own spirituality, like who am I outside of the confines of what I was told has to be the truth. And that search for truth came through my lyrics. You know, you look yes. at an album like a leverage is breathing. I was searching for more than what I thought, you know, I, the lyrical themes I draw from are from Rastafari and they are from Christianity, but I was seeking more and I still feel that way. And I, I'm assuming that that is kind of what led you to do what you do now, that transition of, yeah, it's not just music. It's not just entertainment, but it's becomes a life work. Yeah. And I think the father is a great place to start. You know, my parents were separated when I was one. So my whole life, I only knew I live with my mom and I go to my dad's house every other weekend. So like dad's away absent. You could say father, God, it's like he's in the way that it was taught to us. It's like, God is so far away. We just have to be down here doing good. So he will even bless us with his presence. You know what I mean? It's like this faraway concept. And so sacred sons, uh, we are an organization dedicated to masculine alchemy and embodiment. Uh, you know, one of our taglines is brotherhood is the medicine. We bring in groups of men for rites of passage experiences, initiatory experiences for the purpose of returning that father ar archetype to the planet, to our hearts, to who we are as men. Um, and it's not about being a dad, having children. When I'm saying this, uh, we could talk a little bit about archetypes if you're interested, but the father archetype exists within all of us as men. We all have a sense of being a provider, being a protector, um, being present, being having a, a sense to acknowledge those who came before us and to encourage those who are coming after us. So I am one in my lifetime who feels like I'm not here to push the buck to the next generation. Uh, I'm going to use my life force energy to bring healing 
and to bring love and to bring people together. You know, that, I also learned that in the DIY scene. I used to throw shows when I was 17 years old, you know, bringing hundreds of people to come to watch these bands. So I, I've always had this sense within my soul, like just to bring people together and that togetherness, man, that shit heals. That heals trauma. You, there's a saying from one of my mentors that I like, uh, which is we are formed in relationship. We are wounded in relationship and we heal in relationship. And this planet right now needs a lot of healing. And we can go into, we can go into some of the the reasons for that, but uh, specifically for men, it's, it, it, it comes from that place in me. Like brotherhood is deep in my bones because of that experience uh, in hardcore. Yeah. And I can see that, you know, following sacred sons on Instagram and seeing the clips you guys put up. Um, first of all, I commend you. It's powerful stuff and it's definitely got me intrigued. And I think it's super important. You know, we talk about mental health because we talk about mental health yeah. a lot on this podcast. When you talk about yes. um, looking at, human interaction, I feel like the masculine is sort of secondary. Uh, people assume that men can just handle their shit and get over it and suck it up. And all of that stuff is a huge part of why we are living in the society we're living in now where masculinity is toxic for a lot of people. It is misguided. And I think the work you're doing is super important because when you're sort of in touch with who you actually are as a man or being masculine, yeah, it's it's vulnerability and vulnerability is strength and being sort of comfortable in your own skin. And something Matt and I talk a lot about is why is vulnerability viewed as weakness when it's the exact opposite? When you're being real with who you are and you're in touch with your emotions and you're being a genuine human being, there's strength in that. There's bravery in that. And you guys highlight that in a very real way. And I love that about what you're doing. Yeah. And when, when we get into those spaces what's really dope about it, Jesse, is that it's one of the most natural things we can do as brothers. You know, men used to go out and hunt under full moons. Men went to war together. Men, men traverse this planet together. And this is not to discard the feminine. A lot of this work that we are doing is about acknowledging and incorporating both masculine and feminine energies into male bodied humans. Right. Um, but I wanted to say, I wanted to say a piece here. Oh, fuck, you said something that that stoked me. Stoked. Just, just think about, th- let me just throw some statistics out here. 70%, 76% of all suicides are men. 85% of homeless are men. 70% of homicide victims are men. 75% of all humans incarcerated in our country are men. And so there is this stigma that men are inherently toxic or that men are inherently predators. Mm. And that is not the truth of who I am that I feel in my bones. That is not the truth of who these brothers are that I meet with these stories of desperation and isolation. What I, what I see are creators. I see human beings who are capable of doing some incredible things. Um, and we cannot discard that as a culture. So we are like, you know, we're doing deep healing work on an individual level. We're broadcasting it on a collective level. And it's important because, you know, men in men are informed by culture. And our culture is suffering right now, if you haven't noticed. Like if you just look around, <laughs> the culture of men is suffering. It's largely rooted in materialism and womanizing. And it has been for a long time. And so it's time to change that story. 
And so what we're doing when you see these clips from Sacred Sons is we're, we're rewriting that story of what men in connection can actually look like. And so for many men, this is what you actually stoked earlier. We give that to our girlfriends. We put it on our moms our whole life. Our, you know, our little boys are looking for mom to take care of us. But what we weren't taught as men is that our brothers can actually hold our pain, not in a way to take it on for themselves, but just to lighten the load. And so you'll see these images where we'll have, you know, 10 men in a circle, 20 men in a circle around one man standing in the center, being vulnerable, sharing a piece from his life. And just to say this, most men that I encounter are hurt by other men in their life. Mm. And so there's a lot of kind of like undoing. There's a lot of family lineal healing to, to, to undo. And, um, and this is exactly what happens in our circles. And it's, it's, it's the most powerful healing I've witnessed. And I've witnessed a lot. I'm also a seeker, Jesse. You know, I've traveled this world. I've sipped many plant medicines. I've, you know, I've done the things. And, um, and this work, it, it struck me at my core in a time when I needed it most. How, how did it start? Because there's you and three other guys, right, that are the kind of core yeah. co-founders of the movement. So how, how do your paths all converge? And how does this, you know, whole movement begin? Yeah, I would say from, from my part in it, it started with heartbreak. You know, it started with a separation. And Jesse, when you and I were tracking each other, you know, years ago, I know you've been through some similar, similar type of things, but specifically for me, I had my first son, Noah, um, he's eight, so 2014 and a year into his life, I found myself in the very situation that my father was in and that my mother was in. And so I said, my parents were divorced when I was one. I was going through a separation going like, holy shit, I'm replaying this pattern out that existed for me. And why is this replaying in my life? And at that time I took a look around and I was like, damn, like I need mentorship. I need guidance here. Cause I was, I was truly like, is this what parents are going through? Is this what fathers are, go are really going through? And no one's fucking talking about it. You know? So I had my own experience of separation that pushed me, uh, to a point where I had to call it in, I had to call in support mm -hmm. and I found men's work in, in, in all honesty, when I first found it, I was like, this is not it. This is not for me. And the reason was it was a bunch of 50 year old white dudes sitting around like this. It was like a, this office space they rented and they sat in a circle and they all shared and we talked. But at the end I was like, I don't really feel like I can share my deepest <laughs> vulnerabilities with these men. It was like no judgment. It's not personal. It's just not my tribe so to speak. And so what happened for me is spirit is like, if you can't find it, then you should create it. And I took that literally. And uh, I called in my brothers, Albert and J-Mac. I'd been doing other uh, festival and gathering types of organization. Um, but I called them in and Sacred Sons was born in my backyard as a result. And a, and a big part of the mission for me personally, you know, I'm, I'm biracial, I'm mixed. My father's black, my mother's white. And so a big part was that this work is going to be for all men. It's going to be diverse. It's going to be financially diverse. It's going to be spiritually diverse. It's going to be culturally diverse. And that's literally what's happening. And there's a story going on out there that like we're divided and that you have to either pick this side or that side. And I am here to tell you in 2022, that story is no longer true because I literally just circled with 450 men from all over this planet in North Carolina for our annual Sacred Sons Convergence. And we came together in unity. 
We came together in love. We had uh, Cherokee elders. We had representatives of brothers from Ireland, Scotland. I mean, this is like, this is big culture shifting work. And that's really what I want to instill here today is that as men, not only are we informed by this culture, but we have a responsibility to uh, show up and create and continue pushing the edges of what culture truly is. Amen. I, I love everything you're saying. It excites me. And I love that you mentioned the fact that you gave it a shot. It didn't feel like something you were comfortable with. So you created it. And I think that's kind of what initially sort of turned me on to what you're doing. Cause it, the way it looked to me is the way I relate. So stoke the fire was created because Matt and I love the idea of that. Joe Strummer used to have people around a fire and the idea of like our roots and our origins as humans, when we gather around a fire, it tends to, to drop, uh, certain, um, uh, the word I'm trying to find, it tends to sort of put you at ease and open you up and you have great conversations usually around a fire. The vibe changes, you know, people change when they sit around a fire. And I think it speaks to that primal part of who we are. And I saw that in sacred sons. There was a primalness that I liked because I can relate to that as, you know, being in hardcore and being, you know, a man, but then I would see the tears. Then I would see, you know, sparring. You guys are sparring and, Yes. And uh, guys are screaming and guys are hugging each other and holding each other. And it was this real mix. And I like you said that the masculine and the feminine was really at play. And a lot of those clips that I was seeing. So I started following and just the more I watched them, I was like this. Yes, I yes. could do this. I can do this because the the idea of therapy for a lot of people, when you say the word therapy, people are automatically like, ah, therapy. Like that's not especially men, especially yeah. men. But what you're doing is therapy. It's just a totally different kind of therapy. And it and it really touches on everything. It's a it's a holistic approach. It's a holistic th- approach. And yeah. and you mentioned mental health. And so what I'm here to say is this is about our mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual health. This is a tapestry of of all of those things weaving together to make up a human, to make up a man, right? And so we tend to like compartmentalize mental health, mental health. But guess what? A lot of the mental health challenges are becoming because of our physical ailments, because of the food we're consuming, yes. because of the media and distractions that we're consuming. A lot of the mental ailments are because of our disconnection from our spirit, from God, from source, from Gaia, from the earth, from the essence of what it means to be a human and sit around a fire and share a story. Because that is true, Jesse. Like when you when you see that in the work, and we do we do so much. We do we we truly do a lot of somatic work, which is where we get to the the tears and the vulnerability. Um, and and I also like to say we explicitly say this is not therapy. This is brotherhood, mm. and it's fucking therapeutic. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it just is. But it's it's because we are hitting you know, each of those pillars of what it makes up a human. So many men are stuck in their heads. So many of us are fucking like uh, dealing with an, a, a tremendous amount of, jeez, um, what's the word? What's what's the, the word that everyone uses? Hmm. When you're stuck in your head, oh my God, I can't believe I can't think of this word. I shouldn't have hit that, <laughs> shouldn't have hit that spliff. 
anxiety. No, no, I just want to finish this. Sorry, sorry to, to pause. So many men are stuck in their heads dealing with a tremendous amount of anxiety. Yeah. That is the truth. And so the way that we as sacred sons um, meet that is to come out of our heads and get into our bodies. And that's why we're sparring. That's why we're wrestling. That's why we're dancing. Because it's, to, it's, a, it's a pattern interrupt to get out of those cycles. And we're all in them in some shape or form. And we have to like do the work to get out of our cycles, to get out of our isolation, to get out of thinking that we're the only one going through it, and to get around some other like-hearted humans and do this healing work. Yeah, there's so much to be said for just sharing physical space as well. And obviously, you know, we're yes. on Zoom now and Zoom is amazing and technology is amazing for many things. But there's this huge cultural shift, isn't there, since the advent of smartphones and social media that people are spending more and more time disconnected from fellow human beings, from nature and the outdoors. And that's really when you get in your own head, isn't it? It's when you're sat at home alone, the curtains are drawn, you're looking at your phone. It gets you in these negative headspaces and it's quite easy sometimes. You can't just cure all, you know, defects of the brain by getting outside and engaging with other human beings. But it does so much wonder and it helps in so many ways by just doing those simple acts of, as you say, like physical activities and socializing and, and sharing physical space. Um, it's just and, so important. And getting punched in the face. I don't yeah. want to downplay it. Sometimes, sometimes you, you need to get punched in the face. I need to get punched in the face. I'll, I'll own it. And it's not like some masochistic thing. It's about like, damn, what happens when another brother with love in his heart and a smile on his face, but of equal and opposite size and strength is coming at me? Like if we're not training there, if we're not training our physical bodies, um, life is going to knock us, you know, right on the jaw. And so in, before that happens, we have the opportunity to train with each other. And what people are doing at home is they're not only in isolation, scrolling Instagram, they're in deep comparison, you know. And competition, quote, right? Comparison, competition. Comparison is the thief of joy. What happens in our containers is we realize that leadership comes in all forms. You know, like, uh, magic, our gifts, they look all different ways. We have, we have incredible chefs that cook the food at our events. We have incredible facilitators, leaders, speakers. Um, and when men get together, it, the whole comparison hierarchy begins to dissolve where we can just see each other. Like, you know, there's an Irish toast I, I love, which is never above, never below, always beside you. And if we as men can begin to adopt that into the mainstream culture, because that is our, that actually is our true essence. Men are encouragers. Men are like, you, men give fucking great pep talks. You know what I'm saying? And like, we need more of that encouragement at large. And so these, the physical activities, the processes, it's, it's all kind of like in alignment for that purpose. Yeah. It seems like a, a higher calling. You know, I feel like with, with why I started music and why I really pay attention to lyrical content and how I am on stage and my spirit, um, that was all because I felt like it was a calling. And as I get older, I'm realizing that that's not enough for me anymore. Mm. And I've been at a, a crossroads as of late. And this podcast really helped me sort of open my eyes of like, it's not just the music. It's not just being an entertainer. 
there's a deep desire in me to help heal. And I know Matt and I have been doing that a bit with this podcast, but lately I'd say even in the past couple of weeks, that's been coming up a lot as I write and prepare a new record. Um, and I think there's going to be a point where I'm going to have to do something like what you're doing, or I'm going to have to go visit and go to the, one of these things that you're doing, because I feel like, to. I feel like there's a much bigger thing than just me, than just you, than just Matt. There's, there's a, um, as you said, at the top of this, there's a lot of healing that needs to be done. And I think at the core of who I am, I have healing properties within myself that I need to exercise. And when I do these types of things with Matt, we have these conversations when I'm done, I feel a sense of purpose that I don't really get from just being a musician and a performer. And that's yeah. kind of like really sparked something within me that, you know, I feel a calling to do more as well. So I see the work you're doing and I think it's, I'm sure it's inspiring a lot of people to, um, to want more and to desire more. And, and I don't use the word desire in a negative way to, to want to like affect people on a greater scale. And I think that's very important work. Like I said, a calling. Yeah, man. I think it's also important to note that music is one of the most healing, let's let's say, tools that we have as humans. Music, music is something that unites us. When we put on Bob, you know what I'm saying? One love and everyone can unite around that frequency. That is real. That is real. And there's something that happens when we come like in close proximity, when we get like face to face. You know, I imagine Jesse like, you're on stage and people are singing along, you know, you know, to, to all the songs that they're singing along to. Right. And you, you got to know you're already healing people through that. Right. Mm. But for you to use your presence and your gifts to come into contact with a young man. And, you know, we, we do youth mentorship as well as a part of sacred sons. Um, and to just give that little bit of inspiration, encouragement on the real eye to eye, it's life-changing mm. and I've seen it over and over again. I've seen miracles. I've seen uh, men who were suicidal, men who were, I've, I've worked with men who are literally a part of school shootings. They come to us because of the traumatic experience. We have these tools to navigate the, the trauma that is deep in the body. I've seen cops and criminals clear charges, black, white, Israeli, Palestinian, and when we get in our circles, you know, the core of our work is connection, confrontation, and celebration. So we deeply connect. We connect to ourselves, to each other, to the land, to the elements, like you're talking about. And when we, once we're connected, that's the time when we can confront each other as men. And that's the piece that a lot of us are afraid to step into, but it's a requirement. It's a requirement to be initiated into who you are capable of being. You said earlier, like, there's more. There's more of you. That is true. It's absolutely true for anyone listening to this. doesn't matter your age, your life situation. There is more to you. And a lot of times, societally, we get pressured to stop, to plateau, and to not continue to push the edges of what our hearts know is possible. So I'm encouraging brothers, like if you know something, if you know someone needs your service, if you know something needs your help, and it's for me at this point, because I've seen what I've seen, and I'm just, I would just encourage anyone who's listening to this right now, pick up the phone and call somebody, pick up and pick up the phone and call a brother that's maybe gone ghost for a little bit, or maybe you think he's doing well. These type of things really, really matter in this time. 
And so, if, you know, you can't make it all the way to an event into the desert for four days to do this kind of rites of passage work. Uh, just pick up the phone and check on a brother. It helps. Mm. A lot of times at the end of our gatherings, I even tell the men, guys will have these big, like I, Jesse, I've seen brothers awaken. You know, we're in the this great awakening. And I've seen guys uh, purge and emote to such a point where it's like, man, they are born anew. Mm. And I tell them at the end, if there is one thing that you could walk away from this weekend with, it would be a friend. Like if you connected with one person here, get their number and stay connected because our relationships, you know, it's, it's really the source of, uh, of all of the goodness that, that comes from our life is, is from our relationships with each other. So yeah, man, pick up the phone, check on your friends. Mm. The simple things work. The simple things matter. I think that that speaks powerfully to, to, you know, you mentioned suicide rates, you mentioned, um, you know, the, I mean, even addiction, like all of those things yes. are are tied to not feeling connected, not feeling like you have somebody to relate to. You know, and I, oftentimes I've had moments, that Matt, I've even had this with Matt, where Matt and I will have a, a eureka moment together. And I might not have gotten there had Matt not been open to it and us discussing a certain topic where you can do work on your own. And I do a ton of it. I'm alone a lot. I love solitude. But there's yes. a real safety in solitude that I think you can sort of hide certain parts of yourself or certain things that you don't want to be confronted on. And when you're sort of held accountable to somebody else who's listening to you speak and will catch things that you say and bring them back around, well, what did you mean when you said that? Yeah. It, it That helps people progress a lot faster. And that brotherhood you speak of, I think, is necessary for people to progress. And having a friend, that's a huge thing right there. Having a friend in this life will change everything. Somebody who's there for you to help you along. That's powerful stuff as well. Yeah. We're conditioned to always lead with what we want people to know about us. You know what I mean? It's like, I do this for a living. These are my children. This is my wife. This is my partner, whatever the story is. And when we get into our space on day one, one of the first questions I ask the men, we have a a process called sacred mirrors. You, You may see like, a bunch of men lined up facing each other and we'll ask them a series of questions. And one of them is tell the brother across from you something that you don't want him to know about you. Like what is the thing that you don't want someone to know about you? And for a lot of these brothers, they are expressing things for the first time, possibly ever. Like I hear this a lot. I've never shared this with someone before in that level of suppression is what causes the illness. It's what causes the suffering. It's what causes the addictions. You know, they say that the opposite of addiction is connection. Mm. It's not sobriety. It's connection. We we mm. fall into our, our patterns of abuse or cycles of abuse because we're disconnected. And so when we get in that space, and this is what's, this is what's so dope about it. You'll, you'll share something that's deeply painful for you to another brother. And most likely, He's like, yeah, I got that too. Mm. You know what I'm saying? There's a, there's a part of us that can relate to it. And that's why we do this work uh, with men because men can hold it. Men understand. We have an inherent understanding of what it means to be male-bodied in this world, right? And to hold the things that we hold. And to just have that moment, whether it's four days or whatever it is that, that you're with Sacred Sons, to 
come back into contact with who you really are beyond the stories, beyond the story of who you tell yourself that you are. If people do want to find out more, um, is the best place to go just the website or are there other channels of information as well? Yeah, sacredsons.com, uh, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, at Sacred Sons. And um, yeah, get connected. We, have, we also have a Sacred Sons app. We host, host weekly calls. I host a Father's Council on there, which is really powerful because like I said, that was my introduction into this work was primarily around fatherhood. And um yeah, this life, it, this life, it just keeps on coming like waves in the ocean. And so I've found myself at times like, oh, damn, I got it. Like I'm here. You know, I don't know if you guys have this sense of like, damn, I'm at the top of the mountain. Well, guess what? That valley is just waiting for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's coming. It's always, coming. And always. so, and so that's the time now that I check myself. Anytime I'm like, oh man, I got this. It's like, oh, maybe I, maybe this is the time for uh, sitting with myself and feeling into what more there, there still is for me. And so like fatherhood, parenthood, uh, being a better lover, being a better partner. You know what I mean? Um, all of these things matter. And, and I, and I just have a sense of knowing that there are other men out there who want to become better men. Mm-hmm. And so if you're interested in that connect with sacred sons, it's an authentic community. You're going to meet some incredible, incredible brothers. Like I said, we have facilitators from, uh, that are Hawaiian, that are uh, indigenous, Native American, Lakota, Cherokee. It's it's a uh, it's it's this really ancient future essence that we're bringing through, and it's and it's fucking dope. It's really dope. I wanted to ask <laughs> you as well, Adam, how the work that you've done has impacted and influenced yeah. your personal life uh, as a you know a partner, as a father, as a friend. The work that you do, how that translates yeah. into day to day life, and I'm imagining elevates your experience as a human being all around yes i'd say the first thing that came to my mind is listening i've become a much better listener uh, because we all have blind spots myself included and so in past relationships partners would point out my blind spots and i would take it personally and i would react i'd react because of my own wounding because my own kind of childhood experiences because my own heartbreak and what i realized is like man when people love you when people love me and they're pointing out blind spots, it's actually for my benefit. It's not something uh, to take personally or to overreact to, but I can respond with um, grounded clarity and action. So another thing that men are are beautiful at is like taking decisive action. That is what this planet is asking from men, just so you guys know. And we continue uh, to give power away for other people to make decisions for us. And so the more that we can generate this energy of consciousness, like conscious decision-making, not decision-making because that's what's best for me and my family, but it's best for me, it's best for my family, it's best for the community, it's best for the world. That type of decision-making is what the world is asking for from men in that type of structure. And if we do that, the feminine essence, the flowing, the love, the natural beauty of this world will emerge in such a way that it, it's, it's like, I'm not, I'm not preaching or predicting utopia. It's just that I know that there is something um, worth fighting for here. You know what I mean? And I like to say this too. None of us are getting out of this life without a fight. Um, You know, we've, we've become domesticated in many ways and it's time to return to some of that wild. It's time to return to, to the great mother. It's time to sit in ceremony. It's time to deeply grieve. 
what we've done, what's been done to us. And it's time to come back into contact with our hearts as men because the planet needs it. Wow. Yeah, that really speaks to me on a, on a very deep level. And I'm sure there's a lot of people listening right now that are nodding their heads or probably wiping away tears even. Um, and I think that not only is it important, you know, just for men to hear this message, but for anybody to hear this message, because what you are doing is trying to maybe correct isn't the right word, but try to correct what people see as what a man should be or masculinity should be. And you always hear that term toxic masculinity. I, I hear it all the time. And you, when you're dealing with circles of people who are trying to better themselves, whether that be through therapy, like you said, diet, exercise, all of those things, yeah. I think the one thing that is neglected a lot of times is the masculine. And I think that because of that, a lot of men are ignorant, like just straight up and down. We're just ignorant to yeah. like how to be present in this world because we have these preconceived notions and the fact that you guys are sort of unraveling that and then redefining what it actually is. Yeah. That speaks to me on a whole other level. And I think a lot of people need to hear that. And a lot yeah. of people are craving that. Like what you say that wanting to be a better person. I pray that every single day, help me be a better person. That is my deep desire. And mm. I'm sure there's a, I'm sure there's a lot of people that feel that way too. Like you just want to do better. Not just for you, but for everybody. And the question is how? Right. This is the question I was left with, how? And this is what we came up with. You know what I mean? And I would say just to for everyone to get on this, this line of thinking, masculinity is not inherently toxic. It's it's just not. Um, masculinity, you know, we're not, we're actually not defining, we are undefining masculinity. We are allowing men to come into the authentic uh, connection with who they are with, without judgment. You know, we have, we have a lot of rules, right? Like agreements when we step into these containers and one of them is acceptance and not judgment. And so when we get into these spaces and someone says something that may be triggering, it may be deeply sad to hear. You know, I've heard, a, I heard, heard a story recently of a father who, you know, he, he had his child on his chest as she lost her life, you know, like deep, deep trauma and how, how it has to be done together. It has to be done in connection, in community. Um, and that's, that's the piece that I'm really emphasizing here is like, Yes, have your time, be a monk on a mountain, but also come back down from that mountain and share your gifts with us mm. because we need you. Um, mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> I love as well, I, I had the time today to listen to a few of the podcasts that, that you've done. And what struck me is that, you know, whilst you care deeply about the work that you do, you don't take yourself as a human being too seriously. And there's humor and there's joy and there's laughter and there's these moments that shine through in the chats that you have with your fellow co-founders and, and interviews that you have as well. Because I think the thing that puts a lot of people off often these kind of practices is they see it as a bit pretentious perhaps or you know very self-high regarding. And I love that there's yeah. just a real self-awareness with you guys that it's about being down to earth with, with these ideas and not you know, considering yourselves as these yes. lofty kind of preacher type people. 
Yeah. Thank you for saying that, man, because another piece is that we like to say is the age of the guru is over. Like we do not need uh, one person on a pulpit. Largely like we find these people are misaligned after the fact. Right. And it's not about putting people on a pedestal. It's about seeing eye to eye. It's about, yeah, like you said, coming back down and being grounded as a human being. And, um, and at the same time, we have incredible facilitators and teachers and we have, we, we do have this incredible, um, singers and song carriers as well and ceremonialists. And, um, Jesse, have you ever sat in like a sweat lodge or any type of I, ceremony like that? I haven't, but I've been invited many times and, uh, it's something that I'm definitely very interested in doing. Yeah. yeah. It's something that's well, going to happen. I'm going to do it eventually. Yes. Consider this another invitation and I can, I can take you to a good place, but, um, yeah, that, that was really the ceremony in my life. Like I said, when I was going through my separation, finding a Lakota sweat lodge here in Dulzera, California, uh, led by one of my teachers, uh, Daniel Hawk Moon. That was when I was like, oh, there's more. There's more to this life than reading books, uh, sitting in my bedroom, trying to figure it out, listening to talks or whatever. When we come back, when we bring it back to ritual and ceremony, uh, it becomes alive again. It becomes a human experience. Um, sometimes I'm bad at promoting. So I just want to say this, if all of this sounds like it's an edge for you to step into, drop into the sacred sons podcast. It's a, it's an ease of entry point where you can listen to other men, share their stories, not of the work, but just of their life stories. It's a, it's an entrance point for men to begin to relate, to go, Oh shit, I'm not alone out here. Like this guy who I see as whatever that is successful, has it together. He also has trauma, wounding, shame, grief. Wow. Like once we come into contact and, and sweat lodge is where I, where I realized where I was taught uh, that no matter how many differences we have, how different we look on the outside, we all come with the same set of emotions, happiness, sadness, uh, glad, sad, mad, guilt, fear, shame. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's inherent to human beings. We, we all have this in common. And so when we drop all the masks and we begin to come into contact with those emotions, with those feelings, with those, uh, with those stories, it moves a lot. It just, it really does. It really does. And so if that's, if it's an edge for you to step into that container, which I know it is, cause it was for me, listen to some of the podcasts and like ease, ease your way into it. Mm. Yeah, I think it speaks to a, a deeper desire for humanity, why people seek out things like religion and, yes. you know, why why we sort of, we do need each other. We need each other. And, you know, when you, I was raised in that space of religion where you'd gather as a community and you, it wasn't just about going to church and singing the songs and chanting the chants, but it was, there was an element, the positive side of it, there was an element of community there where after the service was done, you go and you break bread, you have food together and you sit at tables and you talk, you converse, or you're, at least you're supposed to. Um, and I think what you've done with your work is taken that positive element of community and taken the hierarchy out and the and the sort of um, the flaws that I've definitely seen in organized religion. And I think you're right. The time of sort of putting someone as a figurehead to lead the many, taking that down and realizing that we're all on the level playing field and we all have something to contribute 
Yeah. That that's truly, I think, the takeaway message. I think for for me, for what you're doing, and I think people need to hear that. Um, we do need each other. We do need a community. You know, the old term of like it takes a village. Like I truly believe that more and more as we move through current times, we do need yes. each other. Yeah. yeah, love it, man. I love it. I love it, and uh, I'm honored you. you came on. I think what you're doing is important, and uh, it definitely spoke to me today. Just being able to like share a space with you. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm watching, man. You got me. Yes. I'm I'm really excited for what you guys are doing, and to be able to share it with our audience as well. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm honored to be here, and it's like it goes back to to you, man. Are we alive or just breathing? Ha. You know what I'm saying? Ah, like, we yes, have work sir. to do. We have work to do out here, folks. Uh, before we go, um, plant medicine. You mentioned that. I feel yeah. it would be remiss of us to, to let you go before touching on that, at least mm. in a broad sense, because it's something we, yeah. we do tend to try and slide into the conversation if it's relevant. Um, when was your first uh, in interaction with that method of you know self-growth and self-exploration? Yeah. So I found Lakota Sweat Lodge in 2010. And I was still straight edge at the time. I was 30. I was straight edge until I was 30. And, uh, and I'm talking never drank, never smoked, never like, I didn't even have a freaking taste for it. I was like, I was hardcore straight edge. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And there's, there's some goodness in that too. And I'm, I'm grateful, uh, for the culture of straight edge being a part of my life. And when I went through that separation, I had a huge identity kind of collapse. Like, fuck, well, if I'm not this, then who am I really? And is all of my, um, is all of my like abstinence really serving me? Or is it a part of my identity that has just become like this fucking massive wall? And so I determined that maybe it has become this wall. Uh, and so my first after after sweat logic kind of cracked me open that to that there was more uh, more space to explore within my own soul and i sat with some psilocybin uh, with friends on a beach and that was that was my very first entrance into it and it unlocked something in me uh, a year after that i found ayahuasca here in in joshua tree california from a lineage that goes back to Quitos in the jungle of peru um, i sat with a medicine woman and in my very first sit with ayahuasca, I had a vision um, of my son, my son before he was born. And I'll, I'll just tell you a little story. I'm sitting there. We drink the medicine. Have either of you guys sat with Aya? No. Okay. Um, it's on the cards though, isn't it, Jesse? Yeah, it is. It definitely it's, is. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a different level. This is not like a trip. It's not a psychedelic experience. It's not just visuals. It's, a, it's coming into contact with the divine within yourself and within, you know, great spirit, you could call it. Anyways, I have this sense. I'm being, my body's being scanned and there's this presence that I can only kind of define as God. And it said to me, I remember you. And I was like, like, damn, God remembers me. Like that was massive. And in that moment of just of taking that in, feeling the gratitude, I have this vision and I'm holding uh, a baby. And man, I don't know how it works, but it was Noah. 
it was him. And I'm, he's eight years old now. So I'm, I'm confirming, I know his spirit and it was him. And I took my hand in this vision and I placed it over his, his, his head. Like I was being scanned. And I said, I remember you. And that experience showed me that we are soul connected and these downloads come in, come into the space. And it was like, you guys were together before you made an agreement to come back together in this life. It wasn't this way before, but now you're the father and he's the son. It showed me like our karmic ties, my soul and my son's soul. And that was, that was the entrance point, uh, to, to the journey of plant medicine that really cracked me open. Um, I'm not someone who sits with it a lot. You know, it's for me, it's like, that's a, that's an annual pilgrimage if I'm going to do something that deep. Um, but here I'm sitting now, I have three sons. Um, I have a beloved uh, partner, Hannah, who who holds it down for me. And even Sacred Sons, the name Sacred Sons came through a ayahuasca ceremony where I, again, asked permission to to even do this work. You know, I had resistance. I had hesitations about what does it mean for me to do this? And I got full support from the other side. So <laughs> I guess, I guess to, all that to say is that, um, a lot of the, a lot of the work that's happening right now, it is kind of all for healing and plant medicines are a massive part of that. However, at Sacred Sons, brotherhood is the medicine. Like we can get to these places without, it, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting because it brings back my, my sober, sober times, like we can actually get to these states. We can actually get to these places of self-love and love of another with, without the use of these substances that take us so deep. And so I, I really like to bring that through because along with all of the beauty, there is a lot of chaos that can also come um, as these medicines are being extracted and used in a non-ceremonial way, which, you know, everything everything's kind of has chaos in order to it. Um, so I, I understand how and why that's happening. Um, but for some, for so many men, those experiences are very difficult to integrate and they can also become more isolating. You leave a big experience like that and you don't have friends to talk to about it. It can spin you out straight up. And, and so that's why, you know, community, that's why the village, uh, because we, what we don't need is more isolation. Um, did that answer your question? It certainly made me want to do it. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've had I've had many beautiful experiences uh, since then, and I attribute a lot of uh, a lot of the essence of who I am in this time, like at this time, uh, to to ayahuasca and my experiences with with that medicine. Yeah, it's something I eventually would like to do. It's a little intimidating for me right now, um, where my headspace is, but I know it's something that I'm moving towards because I have had friends who've done it who have told me that it it changed everything. It made them yes. see, it made them see the layers. It made them see a much deeper meaning of life, and you know that's truly the path I think I've been on most of my life. But yeah, yeah, I think you. I think I'll know when the time is right, and I yeah. think. It's certainly the spark. You still have to show up to it every day. Yeah. It's it's certainly like a a a peak or a or full view beyond the veil. And you're like, oh yeah, God is real and magic exists. Holy shit. <laughs> yes. And now when I come back to when you come back or when I come back to my life, I actually still have to show up to it. Yeah. And I still need my brothers. I still need my <laughs> sisters. I still need my family to do that. Um, and so 
that's that's my message around plant medicines. It's like no matter how you're using it, no matter the frequency, don't allow it to separate you more. Make sure it's bringing you back into connection. Well, connection seems to be the key message of this conversation, which is the, really the key message of this show as a whole. So this has been just perfect yeah. and, and really validating and inspiring and affirming in so many ways. Yeah, I uh, I definitely needed to hear some of that stuff too about isolation. You know, I think that's my takeaway from this conversation with you is I do tend to isolate because I'm sort of like, as you said, like the monk on the mountain, that's very much a part of my life. And I think it serves me well, but I know that I need help. I know I need a community. Yeah. I know that it's not just me. And I think sometimes I isolate because it's a self-preservation because of the trauma that I've been through, because I do have yes. tr trust issues from being, you know, um, betrayed, et cetera. The long laundry list of things I know I need to work on. So the takeaway for me personally, and thank you for that is, yeah, I, I've had a lot of isolation. I need to sort of reach out to more of a community as well. So thank you for that. That's a good takeaway yeah. for me. The age of the lone wolf is over. Return to the pack. That's what it's about. That's what I time love it is. It's so good. <laughs> Adam, this was a total pleasure. Um, and I think important, not only for yeah. um, myself to hear, and I'm sure Matt got a lot out of it as well, but just for everyone listening, thank you for blessing us with that message and for what you do i commend you uh on a whole other level i don't even think i realize how much admiration i have for you because hmm. it, it's it's um continuing to grow the more i discover what you're doing with sacred sons and uh don't be surprised if you see me at one of these uh gatherings in the future <laughs> i think yes. it's something i think it's something i want to dip my toe into well listen the invitations will continue to flow from me to you i'll just i'm gonna be, i'm gonna send you direct invites to things i think <laughs> you'll 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 get down with and uh for those out there i'm actually showing up this is going to come out i imagine in a few weeks but uh we're going to be in devon uk uh this weekend for emx the embodied masculine experience so we're in europe we're all over the united states and next year sacred sons you will see sacred sons events and gatherings happening worldwide uh, it's an exciting time for us. Love it. Amazing. Well, enjoy Devon. Southwest, I'm really near there. I won't be here this weekend. Sadly, I'm in Ireland. But yeah, uh, Southwest I'm get you is, in there too, man. Southwest <laughs> is my part, my part of the UK. Yeah. yeah, man, this has been an absolute treat. Uh, and I hope to meet you in person and spend time with you out there in the real world before the, uh, you know, the not too distant future. And when was the last time you saw each other in person? Years. Actually, yeah. I, I know exactly what it, it was. Happen, I was at a show in San Diego. You guys were on tour with uh, Let Live. That was a while ago. Wow, yeah, Let Live. Okay, yeah, that was a long time ago. Yeah, and just like fun facts, uh, you know, I we toured, 12 Tribes toured with Killswitch from like 2004 to 2006 with Howard. And Howard was our manager for, for uh, 12 Tribes for many years as well. No so way. I was like, yeah yeah and i know adam and mike and overcast oh man i love all these i love all those guys i love to see the bands that are still out there crushing it you know yeah. shadows fall see kill switch out there killing it. it lights me up man that's awesome thank you brother and uh yeah man uh i just uh i think i needed today so thank you yes man. yeah appreciate, i appreciate it i appreciate it and uh thank you to everybody who, who tuned in i hope you got something out of it uh, it's really good to be back doing this, Matt. I can't wait for more. And this was a great way to kick off a little bit of a break we've had from each other. So what a lovely way to transition back into 
to doing this again and, and having such a great guest on. So thank you, Adam. Appreciate you, brother. Yes, you're welcome. Thank you, brothers. See you out there. Yes. Much love. Peace. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.